welcome to Sovereign Grace. We're glad you guys are here this morning. Glad to see uh, the Stewart family back. They've been back and forth with illness for a little bit. Um, and last week with snow and ice, we had other folks who just couldn't get here as well. But I've been told of a couple of families who did kind of log in. We, we had a crude, very crude uh, online setup last week, and uh, we've never done that before, but people were able to watch this live stream. It, very, it was very crude, correct? But it worked. It worked. Amen. Amen. And actually, Jay told me that uh, they were sitting down for family worship last week to listen to a John MacArthur sermon, and he got my message that we were going to have a live stream, and he, he said, we're going to watch Pastor Bryant and join with our Sovereign Grace family. He turned John MacArthur off. So that they could worship with all of us together through the internet. Amen. And, and Nathan and your family, you logged in as well. Uh, again, we've, we've, we haven't got that set up in this room. We've purposefully not done that. Um, but then at the same time, there's also the reality of technology and manpower to do it. And so, uh, but last week I felt it appropriate with so many people with the ice and the snow. It was, it was appropriate. So, uh, pray that y'all were blessed. God bless you. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Um, and again, the, today, as you see, I'm sitting today. This For our visitors who are here, this is not normal. I don't normally sit. Um, had knee surgery uh, a couple weeks ago, so I'm still on the mend from that. Uh, we'll get my pulpit back out probably in another three weeks, or we'll, we'll see how it goes. But last week, uh, even just the standing I did when I got home, I had ice on my knee. Uh, for three hours. It was that I was pretty bad off. So I, I don't want to overdo it today. Okay. But let's think about the parables of Jesus. If you remember, Jesus is teaching here in the parables. Let's think about what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 13. And we're going to stand in a minute to read Matthew 13 verses 24 to 30. But let's think about this. First of all, about the Christian life. Is the Christian life a blessing? It is a big blessing, isn't it? The Christian life, is it a wonderful life? It's a wonderful life. But let's remember what Jesus is teaching here about the kingdom of heaven. If you remember in the Sermon on the Mount back in chapters 5 through 7, and even through these parables, Jesus is explaining and showing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What kind of a kingdom does Jesus establish? We've got to Remember this here. It's not a kingdom or a monarchy made after the image of human kingdoms. It's much different. It's a kingdom of transformed hearts. The corrupt spirit of man is divinely transformed by and in the spirit of Christ. Wow. Isn't that big? That's what Jesus is teaching us here. So, so if we, the church, we would imagine that if Christ, who is perfect, established a kingdom from heaven, it would also be perfect. And I do agree with this, don't you? However, the reality of the life of the church is that we are still living in a fallen world. And we may actually engage this kingdom of heaven as the church in a way that we are misinformed, that we may be lost in fantasy if we're not careful. One might see this parable here that we're going to read of the good seed and the bad seed as something that God himself initiates, that God somehow has both good seed and bad seed that he spreads. That is a, that, that's, that's going to be a misinterpretation. If we read this, some people may take that, but it's wrong. Yeah, I think we see a different reality in this parable if we pay close attention to the words of Jesus. Although Jesus, he has cleansed the church with his blood. That we may be without spot or blemish or without corruption. As long as the church functions within this evil fallen world, though, I think we're going to see that inevitably we will, we're going to be corrupted from time to time or we're going to face corruption. We're going to face stains. We're going to face the not so perfect. Despite, think about this, despite my intentions of keeping a white shirt clean when I eat pizza or a sloppy joe or a greasy taco, it's eventually not going to stay white. While we're in this world, the kingdom is going to face stains from time to time. 
but it's going to face stains from forces outside of God's holiness. It's going to face stains from the corrupter that Jesus is going to tell us is the enemy. So let, let's dive into this parable. If you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, do no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the words of your son, Jesus. You have granted us insight into your kingdom. You have called us to be in your kingdom. You have redeemed us through the blood of your son. You have purified our sin by atoning for our sin. We are not perfect people. Even in this state of salvation, Lord, we fail. And we are going to face corruption from the enemy who comes and destroys or attempts to destroy what you build. But God, this parable is very, very rich and very needed at this time. And I pray, God, you would speak to each other, every one of us, as we hear the words of your son, Jesus, as we listen to the truth of your kingdom, that you would encourage us as your church, that you would encourage us as your people to be patient, to trust you that you will have it all under control, that you do, and that you will, in the end, the judgment that you alone give will pass honest judgment that we could never do. Help us, Lord, today to, to feel your presence, to know your presence, to, to, just, to just trust that you have us in your embrace. Be in this room with us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, please have a seat. This parable of the weeds or the parable of the good and the bad seed is... Uh, the second parable in chapter 13 that Jesus actually takes time to explain. Remember? Uh, the, the, the first parable in chapter 13 where Jesus is speaking about the, the, the sower who sows seed, he actually takes time uh, in verses 18 through 23 to explain the meaning of that parable. Jesus does the same with this one. Okay? Let's take a look here at verse 24. And begin to understand what it is Jesus is saying. He says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So who is the sower of the good seed? This is similar to the same parable uh, of the sower in verses uh, 1 through 9. It's none other than Jesus himself. He's, he's a son of God who sows the seeds of the kingdom. He's sowing the word of God by preaching and teaching the good seed. Remember? This, the good seed of God's word, the good seed of truth, spoken and lived out and taught and scattered the way the sower sows seed. The second thing here in verse 24, when we, we want to understand who is this man who sowed good seed, where does he sow the seed? He sows the seed where? In a field. But more particularly, in his field. Something that is his possession. So who is the sower of good seed? It's Jesus. And what is the field? Jesus tells us in verse 38, if you drop down to there. Verse 38, he says, the field is the world. And the good seed, 
is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. So in this parable, Jesus is taking the analogies that he has here and he's applying them a little bit differently than he does with the uh, parable of the sower. Just a little bit differently, but still very much connected. He tells us in verse 38 that the field is the world. It's the world that we are in. Who created this world? God did. God the Father did through His Son. That's what we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and verses 10, indicate that it is the Son of God who is present at the very beginning of all creation, and through Him and by Him all things are created. Amen? God spoke, and through His Son all is. God's Word caused all things to be, right? So let's be honest. We're living in a world that we did not make. There's a lot of the things in this world that we cannot explain. And, and this is why Jesus uses these, uh, these analogies of agriculture, partly because the culture of the day that he's teaching him, that was a very agrarian culture. It was, they, they, they used, they would understand these things. But at the same time, there's a lot of mystery to the natural world that we still do not have answers to. We have biology and science that can take uh, and, and analyze a seed and the growth of plants and actually diagram and calculate what is happening, but they cannot explain and understand how. They can explain what's happening. Your biology classes can tell you what happens to a seed when it goes in the ground, but it cannot explain to you how this is happening. This is God's hand at work. By His design, a seed will produce vegetation. So there's still this mystery here. We're living in a world that we do not make. But then, let's also be honest, we also live in worlds that we do make. We make our own worlds within God's world. We call this our culture. For good or evil, <laughs> we as human beings have, have, the, have the gift from God to make and build and create our worlds. We call this culture. He gives, God gives us this ability. He intends for this ability that he gives us as creatures made in his image to build and create a world that honors our Lord, that honors the maker, that honors our savior, that glorifies him. That's why he's giving us this ability to build things, to make things. But look here in verse 24. Let's make sure that we understand what Jesus is saying here. He says, a man who sowed good, who sowed good seed in his field is doing something. This is Jesus spreading the word of God, the good things in his field. The world, the world is his. The field is his world. Let's not under, let's not misunderstand this. As Jesus is teaching here, verse 24, the world that Jesus is sowing good seed in belongs to him. Amen? That's why he's here. And the field is, this, this world of his is also Jesus sowing the seed. He's, he's creating, he's establishing his church and this church will be his and it will be a field that prospers in the world. The wheat that comes up, we will see here in a second, these are the sons of the kingdom. That's, that's you and me, folks. If we are Christians, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, if we have been redeemed by his blood and made new in Christ, we're part of that. By God's design through his son, Jesus Christ, who redeems us. So Jesus came into the world, the field, and he establishes his church his church, his field that God creates. Jesus comes into this world. Remember, God created it and God made it perfect. And that Satan and sinful humanity corrupted. Let's understand the very beginning of all of the gospel. The gospel begins this way. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And you go through that whole chapter of Genesis 1 the seven days of creation, and God said, it is very good. 
Yet what has corrupted this world of God? The devil and us. We have willingly given power to evil in God's good world. That's that's why we need a Savior. That's why this world needs redemption. It's not that God created any of it corrupt. (laughs) He didn't create anything in this world evil. The evil comes in because of our willingness to allow it in and our willingness to perpetuate it. So when we're talking about will, the free will of man, the only free thing that we choose is always evil. (laughs) It is impossible for us as sinful human beings in this fallen state to do otherwise. But But God who created the world And Jesus here in this parable, as he is explaining, he is the one who is sowing good seed in his field to establish a new kingdom, a new creation within God's world and creation to restore back to an even better condition what was corrupted and polluted by Satan and by us. That's 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 the foundation of the gospel. The world we live in was created by God, and we polluted it by giving the power to Satan that he now has. But Jesus comes and sows the good seed, and he establishes the kingdom of heaven for the sole purpose of redeeming back by restoring and taking back this corrupt world that we have corrupted to make it better, to establish a new kingdom and a new creation, the kingdom of heaven here. That's that's what's happening here, right? Y'all getting that? Y'all getting it? So let's take a look here as we're looking at this parable. I want you to kind of, in my Bible, uh, the parable of the the bad seed is on one page and you got to flip it over to look at the at the explanation in the next verses, uh, verses 36 through 40. So I'm going to be flipping back and forth. So drop down to verse 38. Jesus now explains exactly what the good seed is. Look here in verse 38. The field is the world, right? We got that established. The good seed here is, this is where it's different than the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, the seed, the good seed is the word of God. But here, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Jesus says that the good seed here is the sons of the kingdom, and the sons of the kingdom are are those who then, other than the church, the faithful, we, we the good seed, the sons of the kingdom are the faithful, the elect, the ones chosen by God, the good seed that he sows, the ones whose hearts are in a place of the good soil. Remember? The good seed has to land in good soil to produce a good crop. This seed that is being sown into the hearts of, of man, it, it, it's, it's the soul of man where this, this seed falls. The soul of man who hear the truth spoken by Jesus, the ones who, who where, where, where the words of Jesus and, and the truth of the kingdom of heaven takes roots. And remember where, what Jesus is doing here. Remember, he's, speak, he's speaking to many people in a crowd along the shore. That's what the first verse of chapter 13 reminds us, that the crowds were so much around him and pressing that he had to get into a boat. And he's kind of just a little bit off the the shore here. So these many crowds who are listening to the parables, they're hearing Jesus' words. They're hearing about the kingdom of heaven. And these words are being sown into them at this very moment. And Jesus is saying this good seed is now the sons of the kingdom. Those in the crowd with good soil of heart will receive this seed uh, well and it will take root and it will grow. These will be the sons of the kingdom, the children of the kingdom, the children of God who Jesus refers to here. Remember that. The kingdom will produce a good crop. The kingdom will produce wheat in this imagery. A good crop that feeds many and prospers and even allows for larger fields of wheat as good seed produces more good seed and more and more good crops and more and more good fields. You see how, do you see how the analogy is working here? 
Because what is happening as Jesus or the sower is sowing the good seed, the sons of the kingdom? Back here in verse 25. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Don't you hate that? You do something good. You make something, you may clean up a mess. You may build something wonderful. And what happens the minute you turn your back? There's another mess to clean up. There's another, whatever you just made has now been destroyed, damaged, marked, whatever. Don't you hate that? I think Jesus hates it too. <laughs> okay. Look here, verse 20. But while his men were sleeping, his enemies came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Jesus tells us here also what's happening in this enemy planting seed in verse 39. Jesus makes it clear. At the end of verse 38, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. Verse 39, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Here's where Jesus is now explaining about the kingdom of heaven that he, the son of God, the sower of good seed, establishes a good kingdom, a good crop. Yet, there's an enemy lurking out there who will seek to corrupt it. But notice that the enemy doesn't come and tear out the, so- the seeds in the soil. What does he do? No, he's very maniacal. He's very sneaky. He sows in the night, comes in the middle of the night, verse 25, while the master's men were sleeping. The men who worked for the master turned their back, did not guard the kingdom, allowing the enemy to come and to sow weeds, tares among the wheat. In the middle of the night, before the seed ever takes root to show you what is wheat, the enemy comes and sows bad seed intentionally to grow up along with the good wheat. You'll never know it until things start to grow. That's sneaky. There's some children in the room going, I'm going to learn from that. We've all been there, haven't we? Amen. So this enemy who sowed the bad seed, the tares among the wheat, Jesus tells us in verse 39, we know who it is, it's the devil, he's the enemy. Jesus is direct here in his his imagery, he's direct in his analogy. Remember, the good seed, the wheat, is good because the Son of Man, Jesus himself, sows it for good. Yet the bad seed, these weeds, these tares, they are bad because the evil one, who is Satan, pollutes the field intentionally with bad seed to infiltrate and corrupt this field. That's what makes it bad to intentionally and in a secret manner to maniacally weaken the crop, to weaken the church, to weaken the kingdom of heaven in the hearts of men and in the world where it will grow. Jesus is not pulling any punches. He's telling the people who are listening to this parable, the kingdom of heaven is good. Yet, there's an enemy out there who will seek to pollute it. Why? Because it's good. No other reason. Now that's mean. Verse 28 here. Actually, let's begin in verse 26. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Notice that what what the devil does does not always show itself immediately. It is something that will take root just like the mustard seed took root in last week's parable to produce the good mustard tree takes time. Likewise, the evil one, when he sows these evil weeds, takes time for them to appear. Verse 27, And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Now that... They're confused. I thought the kingdom of heaven was good. Why is there corruption here? Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. 
So the servant said to him, do you, you want us to go and gather them? Notice that the master here who sowed the seed, he has to confront these men who had a responsibility that they neglected. They were complacent and they allowed an invasion to come into the field. How many of us are eager to pull out the bad seed that infiltrates our church? I am. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm eager when there's bad seed showing itself. I'm ready to just rip it out by its roots and burn it. Aren't you? I think rightly. I mean, that's a good, good feeling. These men, but think about this. What are these men doing? They're wanting to come. They're talking to the master and they're wanting to root out the weeds. But why did the weeds get there? Because they turned their backs. They fell asleep. So what do they do? Oh, I want to correct my mistake, God. I want to correct my mistake. Let, let me go fix it. Do you want, do you, do you master want me to go and now be the hero and pull out the weeds? You see how that works? And what's the answer? He says, no. How many of us are on crusades to weed out false doctrine in the church? How many of us are on crusades to weed out corrupt men and women who invade the church? How many people will actually infiltrate the church with their immoral attitudes and with their immoral living? It'll happen. I love you all, but I promise you that there are secret sins in this room that many of us are hiding Do we purge from the fellowship these weeds? I think the words of verses 29 and 30 help us see what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's a better plan of action as we live as God's people, as we grow as the wheat of the field. The plan is patience, which produces faith. Let's look here in verse 29 and 30. But he said to the men who wanted to pull out the weeds, he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading these words of Jesus, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus you're allowing evil to grow right alongside holiness. Why? To my mind, this doesn't make sense. No, you want to purge out the evil. Isn't the, the root of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to purify sin, atone for our sin, wash us clean, and establish a perfect kingdom? Why then does our master and our savior say, Don't pull out the weeds yet. (laughs) They're just going to have to grow right alongside the wheat. Is he not wise? Is he not good? Does he not have a bigger picture in mind that we cannot see? Yes. So what's happening here? Let's make a clear point. The words of Jesus are direct. When the workers fell asleep and they allowed the enemy to pollute the field with his bad seed... They desire to fix their mistake. Jesus is saying no partly here because no, you cannot fix your mistakes. You cannot fix your evil. You cannot fix your sin. Any attempt to fix your sin will fail. Trust me. I will fix it. You see that? He's saying do not do more damage to the kingdom than you've already done here. Because if you rip out the evil weeds, you're going to, you're going to damage the good wheat that's around it. Do not focus on weeding out the corruption. Do not be so eager to go on offense. I've got this. You see the faith here? That's what he's saying. So long as the church is in this world, we're in this world of pilgrimage, right? That's the language that some people use. We're on a pilgrimage in a corrupt and fallen world. Bad men and hypocrites will mingle with those who are good. It will happen. 
The children of God must be able to endure these bad men and these hypocrites who mingle with us with patience, yet with firm conviction as well. We're going to get to that here in a minute. In the midst of offenses which are, that they're against the gospel, they're against our, our standards, Jesus is saying, don't be too hasty because you may break what I am building. Now that's hard to do, but it's forcing us to have faith. If we understand what the wheat is, that's the sons of the kingdom, and what the tares and the weeds are, the enemy and his, the sons of the enemy, the sons of the devil, we'll, we'll have a little bit more clear idea of what Jesus is speaking here. Let's, let's look here at verse 38 again. Remember, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. Jesus makes that very clear. Wheat, the good seed, in this situation, and I bring this up because remember, many of us in the church are on a, we're on a mission to root out heresy and false doctrine, and that's our passion. But that's not what's happening here. Remember that the good, the, the, the good seed is not necessarily good doctrine in this parable. It's not talking about theology. Jesus makes it clear what the good seed is. The wheat that grows, they are people. Jesus is not talking about doctrine and theology in this parable. He's talking about people. we got to distinguish that. His children of the kingdom in verse 38, the sons of the kingdom, they're people. That's us if we're in, in that camp. Now, the tares, the weeds, the bad seed here in verse 38, remember, the bad seed are also people. They are sons of the evil one. They are people whose hearts are corrupt. That's the imagery that Jesus is trying to get us to see here. Some have wrongly interpreted this parable to say that God creates both good seed and he creates bad seed. That has been an interpretation of this parable. Yet, notice here that whatever sin exists, either in the devil or in men, is nothing else than the corruption of the person's nature. It has nothing to do with what God has created. Notice that. Now, let's, let's also not confuse the biblical truth here with another idea. Liberal theology of modern Christianity says that there is good in all people. Have you ever heard that language? That has never been said in the church until the late 1800s and early 1900s, the late 19th century into the 20th century. That idea has never been in the church that there is good in all people. That's a bad seed. <laughs> the fact that there is good in all people, let's just be honest, is hogwash. Okay? It doesn't take a smart person long to observe people to realize that no one is good, not even one. That's what the scriptures say in Psalm 14, Psalm 53, and repeated by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. No one is good, not even one. Jesus points out a spiritual reality here that when the preaching of the gospel occurs, it usually takes place in the sowing of fields. Yet weeds and tares grow up after the seed is sown. Let's not forget that the weeds and the tares are the action not of Jesus, but the action and a trick of the enemy. The charge of blame is always on the enemy of the kingdom, never on the good and holy preaching of God's word being sown. Let's remember that. So what's happening here? We now know what the good seed is and what the bad seed is. We have to remember that it is not by creation that God makes his elect. It is not by creation that God makes anyone good. He didn't make anyone good through his creation. Likewise, God does not make anyone evil in his creation. But all that God has made is good. God said so. But we have to remember that we are not good people 
simply because God has made us. Instead, God makes us good only by regenerating us through His grace and through His Spirit. That's what makes us good. Amen? Likewise, evil men and evil women are not created by the devil. They're influenced. They're, they're, they are poisoned. But the devil doesn't have the ability to create anyone or anything. Nor are evil men created by God to later be sown into the field. Instead, having been created by God, our souls, men's souls, are corrupted by the enemy and then thrown into the Lord's field because they look like everyone else in the field. Because when seeds are out on the ground, you can't distinguish between what is good seed and what is bad seed. It's just seed. The enemy does this to corrupt the pure seed. He he intentionally throws out willingly and, and, and honestly known bad seed amongst the good seed. He does this to corrupt what God is doing. The enemy does this to corrupt and pollute the kingdom. We're not to be surprised when bad seed shows up. We're not to be surprised when the bad crops start to grow right alongside the good crops within the kingdom. Jesus' words are truthful here. It's going to happen. They point to what his people who are wheat must endure. We as God's people must endure evil when it shows up because It's the enemy doing it, yet we are also called to stand up against it. Wherever something good grows, evil people will desire to pollute it. Now, this does not mean, notice in this parable, Jesus does not say, allow the weeds to overtake the field. He just says you're going to have to learn to grow right alongside it. Big difference. We do not allow weeds to overtake what God has sown. You do that, then the crop is ruined, correct? You can manage weeds. You just, he's saying, be cautious, don't rip it out by its roots, because if you do, you're going to damage other things that are good. At best, what this parable is telling us in the church is, we must keep the feed, we must keep the weeds at bay. Anybody here are gardeners? Has anyone ever in the history of humanity ever successfully overcome weeds in their garden? <laughs> I mean, you can take those weeds and pull them out by the root, and guess what comes back? More weeds. <laughs> and if you pull out weeds by the root in the wrong way, you're going to pull up the good fruit that you're trying to grow. So what's the outcome? Stick with me. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. Here's what Jesus says. Let both grow together when? Until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. There will come a time where the weeds and the harvest will be separated. But it's not while the field is growing It's when the harvest time comes. Notice that. Matthew 13, 30 tells us how the field of God's kingdom will be sifted to separate the good wheat from the bad tares and the weeds. There's a better way coming. There's a better way to determine which seed produces good wheat and which seed produces corrupted weeds. And there's a better way to deal with the outcome. Let both grow together until the harvest. What is the harvest? Jesus tells us in verse 39 that the harvest in this parable represents the close of the age, the final judgment. Let's read verse 39. And the, uh, actually, yeah. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The latter half of verse 39. The harvest is the close of the age. And who are the reapers? Angels. At the end of time, in the day of the Lord, the final judgment, Angels will come and God will tell them, Jesus himself, the Son of God, will say, 
separate the weeds from the wheat. And what happens to the weeds? They're bound up and they're burned. They're cast into the fire. The wheat is gathered and put into the barns. Let's be honest. Jesus commands us, his church, to endure weeds. He commands us to endure the reprobate, the corrupt, until the very end of the world. I don't like that. Yet Jesus says we have to. We, this is part of the Christian life. We will be enduring the corrupt. We will be enduring the reprobate. We will be enduring the pollution of the world, the pollution of the enemy into God's kingdom. We will endure it now. Yet he calls us to patience until the time comes. Why? So that we'll not deceive ourselves in thinking that we are fixing our own problems. We are not going to deceive ourselves thinking, dear God, look at me. Look at what I've done for your kingdom. He says, no, I am the master. I am the Lord. I will fix it. That's what he's calling us to. Now, those charged with leadership in the church learn this lesson early in ministry. Whether you're a pastor like me, whether you've been a deacon or an elder, or you've served in the church in any way, as a, as a Bible study teacher, you run into this. There will be those who come into the fellowship and they are there for no other reason but to pollute and to corrupt what's going on. What's Jesus calling us to do? We have to endure it. Yet, those of us who in leadership of the church are also called to guard the sheep, to tend the fields. These men of the master, these laborers who failed, they failed in what they were called to do, and the enemy was able to get in. Turn over to Second Peter for me, and we'll close with this. Second Peter chapter 3, because this, I think, Second Peter chapter 3 ties so well into Matthew 13 uh, with the parable here of the weeds. Peter's second epistle applies the principle of the parable of the weeds to the persecuted and the suffering church. Remember that first and second Peter, Peter is writing to the persecuted church. They are facing persecution in ways that you and I have never seen. Let's read second Peter chapter three, verses eight through 13 to get. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that when with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, verse 13, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We are to wait. Because God, who is the master, Jesus Christ, his son, will tell the angels, the reapers, go burn up the weeds. You see that? In the meantime, we who are His church, we are to have patience just as God Himself has patience. Why is God patient in allowing weeds to grow right alongside the wheat? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as what? salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them on these matters. Why are we to be patient? God himself is patient 
with the world. You, to me, I, I'm that personality that if there's something that needs to be repaired or fixed, I'm going to jump right in and fix it. Aren't you? If there's a mess to clean up, give me a broom and a mop and I'll fix it. I want to clean it up. If someone is not behaving correctly and I am in the authority to help them, I want to fix it. Aren't you? <laughs> Yet God, who has all authority, is patient with us. That's why. The diligence here is to, you must be, you must endure those who infiltrate the kingdom. Second Peter chapter three, verses three through four. Here's what he says. He's talking, see, what Peter's talking about here in second Peter is those who have infiltrated the church with false teachings and false prophecies. But look here at verses three through four of chapter three. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. That's one way that the enemy pollutes the kingdom. He scoffs at what God is doing. But the other thing is that God clearly points out those who are blemishes on his kingdom, and Peter does so too, over in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Let's close with this. Peter is talking here about false teachers. They count it pleasure to reveal in the daytime. They, false teachers, are blots and blemishes, revealing in their deceptions while they feast with you. While... They feast with you. Verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Verse 15, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. So what are the words of Peter here to us? I think they echo the same meaning of Jesus' parable of the weeds. They will sit beside you at the feast when you gather as the church and they will tempt you, they will corrupt your thoughts, they will lead you astray. But what is he calling the good seed, the wheat, to do? To endure. Why? Because by enduring against the pollution and the corruption of the enemy, we strengthen. The, 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 the grains that grows become stronger. The grain that grows becomes healthier in the midst of fighting back against the corruption of the weeds and the corruption of the false teaching. We stand firm by saying, no, I will not be persuaded by your evil thoughts. I will not be choked out by the weeds of your corruption. I will stand firm in my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, and I will be harvested at the end of days and go into his barn with all of the other good grain. Where are you going to be when the Lord comes and his angels reap what is sown in the field? Will you be the healthy, productive grain that God himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, sowed into this world. Will you be healthy and will you be gathered in with the good grain or will you be so choked by the weeds of corruption that you will be of no value and nothing more than a weed itself? That's what I think Jesus is trying to get us to see here. That's what I think Peter, the apostle here, is also trying to get us to see as he encourages the church that is facing corruption Stand firm in the faith. Let the roots run deep into good soil. And even if there are weeds that try to choke you out, it is the depth of God's word. It is the depth of Jesus Christ in you that will cause you to stand firm and grow stronger against the choking of the weeds. To the point that God's word, we know he has promised us here, will burn the weeds. Where are you? Amen? Amen. Nathan, come on forward, buddy.
Well, Father God, as we close today, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us honesty and truth and, and revealing to us that your kingdom is sown for a purpose and that the good seed that your son gives and sows into the field of this world is good seed. And, and when it lands into the good soil that he himself has tilled and prepared, there is a great harvest growing. And Father, if we as the church, are, if we are faithful and, and you see us as faithful and, and loyal and trustworthy, Lord, you grow us into this wheat that you will harvest But God, it's difficult because the enemy sows corruption. People who are evil in their hearts sneak into the church and they corrupt it. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the strength that only your son, Jesus Christ, can give us. I pray that you would give us the the nurturing that only your word can give us so that we will grow well and that we can overcome the weeds and, and, and not allow and not permit the weeds to choke out the faith and the goodness and the holiness and the Christ that you are putting in us and growing in us. And Lord, we are your wheat. We are your good seed. Cause us to be as you designed us to be, to be that good wheat in this fallen, corrupt world. Lord, we can't do this without you. We can't do this apart from you. And I pray, God, that your word this morning is is falling on ears that need to hear it and into souls that need it. And so, God, I pray that your word would, would grow and prosper as you designed it to be and as you call it to be. Bless us, Lord, with your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.